0: I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 23 is where we will spend our time together this morning in God's Word. If you are new to North River Church, I want you to know as we gather together every week, this is what we do. We sing praises to the Lord. We spend time in prayer together as a church family. And we open God's Word and trust that God will accomplish through His Word in our lives exactly what He wants And so what that means for all of us is that we should be tuned in this morning asking the Lord to work in and through our lives today by his word. As we look this morning at Genesis chapter 23, we've been in a series beginning at the first part of this year, walking through the book of Genesis, and so this morning, continuing on in that, chapter 23 is where we find ourselves, and as we prepare to dive into God's Word this morning, I want to share with you a little story about a man that when I was first serving as a student pastor... And uh, prior to that, as an intern at the church that uh, that I was at in Americus, Georgia, uh, there was a man who lived diagonally from me who was a part of our church family. His name was Herbert Moon, and uh, Mister Herbert was one of the kindest, gentlest men that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, At that point in time, he was in his eighties. He was still working full time, and uh, he was just an incredible man. And got a chance to have conversation with him and found out that he had actually uh, landed on Normandy Beach on D-Day. And in conversations with him, uh, realized that this was a story that our students needed to hear. It was after that period of time of him serving in the military that he met Jesus and his life was transformed from that point forward. But that moment there on Normandy Beach was a seminal moment in his life, a moment where he realized for the very first time that he needed a relationship with the Lord. And so we had the opportunity to invite him. We had some of our students who were going to be traveling uh, through Student Leadership University, a program that our church is a part of, that that church was a part of, training up student leaders in our congregation, and we were able to go over to Normandy Beach. We were able to walk the grounds there. We were able to see what it was like for him, Mr. Herbert, and those who were with him on that day to experience that. We heard his story of landing there, and there were 50 men in his boat as they landed. By the time that they finished moving forward on the beach, scaling up the cliffs there, by the time they were able to regroup, there were two out of 50 men left. He was one of those two. And he shared the story of that with our students, and it was absolutely riveting just to hear him share that story. And so on our journey over, we were there in Normandy Beach, and... Our student pastor at that point in time had decided, let's take a clear vial and let's try, if we can, if we can figure out how to get it through customs coming back and all that, let's try to get some of the beach sand in this vial and we're able to get it back and we're able to put a plaque together for Mr. Herbert and uh, to invite him up on a Sunday morning just to celebrate his life and his sacrifice that he had made to present him this plaque and and this little clear vial that had sand in it. And for him it was absolutely an important moment in his life. Because that sand didn't just represent his sacrifice, it represented the moment that he realized that he would ultimately surrender his life to Jesus Christ. It was a moment for him where everything became incredibly real. You look and you say, it's just a little bit of dirt. But for him, it was a moment in his life where God was at work. And what we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 23 this morning is the story of just a little bit of dirt. In fact, it's a story in Scripture that you may kind of overlook as you read through. You may say, I don't really see a whole lot there, and yet what I want you to recognize this morning is there's more here, as I said a couple of weeks ago, than meets the eye as we walk through Genesis chapter 23 this morning. And so I want to read the text for us, and we'll go walk through it together as a church family, and then look at some application for our lives in particular And this is God's word, Genesis chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirith Arbor, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead." Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephraim was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephraim the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city, no, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephraim in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will hear me. I give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Ephraim answered Abraham, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver, what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out for Ephraim the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver according to the weights of current among the merchants. So the field of Ephron and Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah east of Mamre that is Hebron in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Father we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see and that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in this passage of scripture, Genesis chapter 23. Every season of our life is an opportunity to glorify God and pursue his mission. Every season of our life is an opportunity to glorify God and to pursue His mission. Now, you may be looking this morning and saying, Pastor, I don't see what you must see in this passage of Scripture. I mean, it looks to me like Abraham's wife Sarah dies, and he buys a place to bury her, and that's the it. And that's it, except you have to realize what's going on behind the scenes in this moment. Now, we've talked about Abraham for the last number of weeks. We've been reminded that for Abraham, he had been given a promise by God that God would bless him, God would make him into a great nation, that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We saw God's fulfillment of that in sending to Abraham and Sarah, his wife, his son, Isaac the son of promise through which God was going to transform the world moving forward, that it was through Isaac that his promises would ultimately be fulfilled. But remember that there's still part of the promise that God has made that has not yet been fulfilled. Remember, God had promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a child, but he had also said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a place a land, the land where my people will ultimately dwell. Now for us at this point, that hasn't yet happened. In fact, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we said Abraham was a sojourner in the land. He had no property. He had no place. He was in fact living in this land, but it was at the courtesy of those that were around him and under the protection of the Lord at work in his life. But at this point in time, Abraham doesn't actually own any part of the land that God has promised him. And yet, what we're going to see in chapter 23 is that key part changes. And it changes through the death of his wife, Sarah where he is able in this moment to purchase this piece of land, you say, Michael, that doesn't seem very significant. No, it is absolutely significant because we see the promise of God being fulfilled in chapter 23. What we may look at and say, it's just a passage of Sarah dying and Abraham buying a field. It's so much more than that. And I think this morning it impacts our lives as well as we think about what Abraham is walking through in this moment. So what I want us to do is walk through the text together. I want to point out some key parts of what's going on here so that we're all understanding what's happening in this transaction that takes place here between Abraham and the Hittites. But then on the back end of that, I want to seek to apply this to our lives today so that we walk away this morning and say, okay, I see this is how the Lord desires to use this passage of Scripture to transform my life today. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 23 that Sarah lived 127 years. remember it was at year 90 that the Lord had blessed Sarah and given her the son Isaac. And so she lives after that point in time for 37 more years. But then she dies. You know, it's interesting that this is A significant moment because there is no place else in Scripture, if you are a trivia, Bible trivia person, there's no place else in Scripture where you see a woman's age at death listed out. It goes to show you how important Sarah is in the life of the people of God and God's plan and purpose being fulfilled. She's 127 years old and she dies and it says, It was in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Makes sense. His wife, he mourns for her. He weeps for her. In fact, we look at other portions of Scripture, and we realize that Sarah, even with the problems that we've encountered as we walk through the book of Genesis, that she was a godly woman. In fact, we are told in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 and 2, and then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, that we are to look to Sarah as an example of faithfulness and God's promises being fulfilled. And so Abraham is weeping in this moment for Sarah, but he's not weeping as those who have no hope. In fact, he's weeping with the great hope that she is with the Lord. If you've ever lost someone that you've been close to, knowing that that person has a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything about the way you grieve. And you may have come in this morning, and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I simply want to challenge you at that point that that is the greatest decision that you could ever make because it changes everything, not only about your life now, but about what happens when you die as well. If you've experienced grief, you've experienced mourning, to know that the person that you are grieving, the person that you are mourning ultimately is in a better place, is with the Lord, is experiencing the promises of God fulfilled in person. What we see dimly, they are seeing face-to-face, their Savior, Jesus, it changes everything. For Abraham in this moment, he weeps, but he weeps with hope. It says in verse 3, he rose up from before his dead, and he said to the Hittites, I'm a sojourner and foreigner among you. And notice what he says here, give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the Hittites answered in verse 5, we've seen this play out over and over again with Abraham, that those around Abraham recognized that God was blessing him in incredible ways, and that's exactly what they say here. We know that you are a man of God. And so, Abraham, you can have whatever land you need to bury your dead. None of us, it says, will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. And so Abraham rose in verse 7. He bowed to the Hittites and he said to them, If you're willing, then entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar. Abraham says, There's a cave, there's a burying place. And I know who owns this cave, this burying place. He calls him here by name. And he says, I will give him the full price. Let's take care of this transaction here at the city gate, and let's make this happen. It says Ephraim was sitting there. Verse 10, and he answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites and all who went in at the gate of his city. And he says in verse 11, "No, my Lord, hear me. I will give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you, bury your dead. You may look at that and you think, wow, what a generous gesture here from Ephraim. But that was customary at that point in time, to say to someone, hey, I'll just give it to you when in reality there is no way in the world you're just going to give somebody something, right? Much less land at this point in time. And so Ephraim is just simply playing along with the story in this moment. He says, Abraham, I'll just give it to you. And in verse 12, he bowed down. Abraham did before the people of the land. And he said, no, listen to me. I will give you the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. See, to notice in verse 14, Ephraim answered Abraham. And he said, my Lord listen to me here's how you know he wasn't necessarily sincere at the beginning because he said well here's how much that land's worth right previous to that he said hey i'll just give it to you abraham says no i'm willing to pay for it and he said i mean that piece of land i mean i mean it's 400 shekels of silver but i mean what's that between you and me right and what's funny is that if you've ever traveled uh, anywhere over in the Middle East, uh, spent some time uh, with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they were there, missionaries in Turkey, and one of the best things that you could do is go into the bazaar, which was just a big marketplace there, and begin to negotiate prices for things that you wanted. And this happens with us as well. If you ever open up Facebook Marketplace, you know the price that somebody's listed is not what they're willing to take, Right? If you sell something there, you know you're going to list it about 30% more than you actually want to sell it for, and then you have some negotiating room, right? That's the principles of business there. So that's exactly what's going on here. Ephron in this moment is looking at Abraham. Abraham says, I'm willing to pay for it. And Ephron throws out the number, 400 shekels of silver, thinking that that's kind of our starting point. We've got some negotiation room underneath that. In fact, most likely, this was a very high starting point. He knew Abraham was wealthy. He knew that this was an opportunity for him, maybe in Abraham's grief, to be able to get a little bit of cash for the land that he had. And so he throws out there this piece of land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Now, typically, you would have expected in verse 16 for Abraham to say, well, that's a little expensive. A little high price there. I mean, this is not land sitting on the water. It's in the middle of a desert. This is not expensive land. I'll give you this amount. But what we see is that Abraham doesn't do that. In fact, he says in verse 16, he listened to Abraham and Abraham weighed out for Ephraim the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. He paid the full amount to him. verse 17, the field of Ephraim and Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre. It's interesting that these descriptions are used several times in this passage to highlight where this particular piece of land is. What's interesting is that it's actually the piece of land that Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, verse 18, builds an altar in. He had lived in this area and worshiped the Lord there. And it's this piece of land that he purchases, that for the very first time, we see Abraham become a possessor of the land, a piece of it that God had promised that he would give to his people. He buries Sarah there, and it says that this is actually a burying place, not just for Sarah, but ultimately, Abraham would be buried there. Isaac and Rebekah would be buried there. Jacob and Leah would be buried there. This was the field. This was the cave. This was the burying place for most of the patriarchs in Scripture. With that as the context... With that is us being able to understand what's actually going on and seeing this promise of God fulfilled. So what in the world does that have to do with us? You say, pastor, that was good. Thanks for the history lesson. Thanks for a little bit of humor in the mix of that. I don't really care, right? But what's going on here when it comes to us? When we think about what Abraham is doing in this moment. And then we think about our lives as we think about glorifying the Lord and pursuing his mission. What we see in Abraham in this moment is even in this moment, he is still glorifying the Lord and pursuing his mission. He is still walking in obedience with the Lord, still experiencing the faithfulness of God fulfilled. And so what I want us to do as we think through this passage of Scripture is to take note of a couple of things that I think are important for us to grasp as well. And I want you to write down this first truth. We have the opportunity to glorify God and pursue His mission even in our sorrow. Notice in this moment that for Abraham, this is a heartbreaking moment. That he is experiencing grief in this situation. That he is weeping, the scripture says, for the loss of Sarah, his wife. If you've ever walked through that with a spouse or with a child or a close family member, you know what that's like. And I share this with families all the time as they're experiencing the loss of someone. I say, listen, people will say the dumbest things to you in this moment. And oftentimes, in the midst of grief, we respond in not very positive ways as well. And yet, in this moment, as Abraham is experiencing grief, as he's walking through the loss of his wife, I want you to know that for him, he's not lost sight of walking with the Lord and allowing the Lord's promises to be fulfilled to him, even in the midst of sorrow. Even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of weeping, even in the midst of losing his wife, you look and you say, man, give him a pass at this point. He can kind of do whatever he wants to. But for Abraham, no, he is continuing to pursue the mission of God. He's continuing to seek the promises of God. He's continuing to be part of God's plan being fulfilled in this small piece of land. Which will ultimately become a larger piece of land, which would be God's people's land. Abraham's playing a small part of that, even in the midst of his sorrow. As we think about that in relation to our lives, maybe you're here this morning and you're experiencing sorrow right now the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's not sorrow that you're experiencing this morning. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe as you walk through today, it's anxiety or doubt or discouragement. Maybe it's depression. Whatever that feeling is in this moment, you may be tempted as a follower of Jesus to simply give yourself a pass and say, I'm not really that interested in glorifying the Lord and pursuing his mission the way that I feel right now. And what I want you to look at Abraham and realize is that even in his sorrow, Even in him feeling the way that he likely felt in this moment, it did not change the fact that he saw this as an opportunity for him to glorify, to praise, and to worship the Lord and to pursue his mission. In fact, I look at Abraham in this moment and I think about our lives and I look at the moments where we kind of simply give ourselves a pass and You say, I just kind of don't feel like going to church today. I don't really feel like telling somebody about Jesus. I don't really feel like walking with the Lord right now. I'm so angry at God in this moment that I just don't feel like doing it. And what I hope Abraham will do for us this morning is give us an encouragement that regardless of how we feel, we have the opportunity to worship, to glorify God. And to pursue his mission. In fact, I'd say this to you this morning feelings are the fertile ground where God often does his most powerful work in and through our lives. problem is for us as believers, oftentimes we allow our feelings to set the course of our relationship with the Lord. And the reality is it's okay to feel something, but don't allow that to hinder where you are with God. Don't allow that to hinder your walk with the Lord. Don't allow that to hinder the purpose for which God is at work in your life right now. Feelings are the fertile ground where God often does his most powerful work in and through our lives. I want you to notice the second truth as we think about Abraham's response in this moment, not only the sorrow, but here's the second truth. We have the opportunity to glorify God and pursue His mission even when it is costly. Even when it costs us, we have the opportunity to glorify God and to pursue His mission. I just want to be honest with you this morning about myself. You need to know this as your pastor, okay? I am absolutely cheap. You've been around me any length of time, you know that. My motto is, if it's free, it's for me, right? So in this moment, for Abraham, I'm looking and I'm thinking, when Ephraim offers the land to him for free, if I'm Abraham, I'm going, thanks, see you later, right? Right? Appreciate that. So generous of you, thank you very much. Walk away. But I want you to notice that this is a moment where Abraham looks at what's going on. Not only the grief of losing his wife, but also the mission that God has set before him. Not only to have the son Isaac that would be a blessing, but also to have the place for which God would ultimately work through his people. And Abraham looks at that and he says, it doesn't matter what it costs. If I'm pursuing the mission of God, it's worth it. It's worth it. Ephraim looks, starts off 400 shekels of silver, likely expecting Abraham to come back and make a counteroffer. Abraham says, that's fine. It's fine. Take the money. I'm pursuing the mission of God. You know, the reality for us as followers of Jesus is that we need that same type of mentality. We need that same type of mentality when it comes to glorifying the Lord and to furthering His mission, both here at North River Church and around the world. Let me ask you this question. How are you spending the three Ts in your life when it comes to glorifying God and furthering His mission? Your time, your talents, and your treasure. How are you investing into the kingdom of God? You may look back at this point and you say, well, Pastor, I mean, you know, I I try to give some and, and, and I try to give some of my time, and, and I mean, not super talented, but I try to do a little bit, I mean, I, you know, but, but let me ask you this question. Do you respond in the same way that Abraham does here when it comes to investing in the kingdom of God? When it comes to glorifying God and it comes to pursuing his mission, are you looking and pinching the pennies financially? Are you looking and say, well, I can't really give a whole lot of time. I I really don't have a whole lot of talent to give. Or do you look at that and say, I want to invest my life, time, talent, treasure in what God is doing. Abraham in this moment doesn't even negotiate. You don't write a business book about that situation, do you? But why is it not important to him in this moment? You say, well, he was really wealthy. He had a lot of money. He did. But a lot of people get a lot of money because they don't overpay for things, right? But he's not worried about that in this moment because he knows what God is up to. He knows that God is at work. He knows that God is furthering his kingdom, and he's working through Abraham. And Abraham's willing to pay whatever cost it takes to move the mission forward. Let me ask you as a follower of Jesus, are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to invest your life in furthering the mission of God, both here at North River Church and around the world? Are you willing to invest your treasure, financially speaking? Say, man, the church, all they talk about is money. We've got money. Just read the bulletin. It's there. But the issue is not whether we have plenty or don't have plenty. The question is for each of us as followers of Jesus, are we being obedient to the mission of God and giving, trusting that God would take what we give and further his kingdom with what we give? What about when it comes to our time? Are we willing to invest and to serve? Are we willing to invest in the next generation? As we think about this building that's going on, and and just to give you just a glimpse briefly, that's not going to be it. We had this conversation when we first built this building, and many of you invested heavily in this building. And when you look at what God has done over the last two years, it's been absolutely incredible. Over 50% of you were not here two years ago. And it's those who have invested financially, those who've invested their time, those who've served, those who've used their talents to glorify the Lord. We've seen a harvest that God has brought to us. But hear me this morning, church, I don't think we're done. I don't think this is it. It's not all about buildings, though that's a key part of the Lord being able to use those tools to reach people with the gospel. But it's also about our kids, serving in our kids' ministry, serving with our students, using your talents to build up the body of Christ here. Abraham in this moment is looking not just at himself. He's looking down the road to what God wants to do. And can I just challenge us to have that same mindset? That same mentality when it comes to using our finances, when it comes to using our time, when it comes to using our talents, that we would be willing to overpay if necessary to accomplish what God wants to do here and around the world. Not only that, I want you to notice this third truth. We have the opportunity to glorify God and pursue his mission even As we grow older, you know, it's interesting. There is no age limit set where you get to stop glorifying God and pursuing His mission. God doesn't look at us and say, hey, you hit 65, you're in retirement, you retire from your job, and you retire from working for the Lord. It doesn't work that way. I want you to notice that this is so important. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. Abraham's 10 years older than Sarah in this moment. So Abraham is 137 years old. And he's buying land. He's buying land that he ultimately would never spend a whole lot of time in. He's buying land that ultimately he would be buried in. But this small investment of purchasing this land at this age is a reminder for us that the kingdom of God moves forward even when we draw our last breath. You know, as you look at what Abraham does, he would ultimately live to be 175, but at this moment, 80% of his life is already gone. And Abraham could have easily sat back at this point and said, man, I, I've done a lot for the Lord. I mean, God's worked in my life in, a, in a pretty incredible ways. I'm just take a break. Sit back for a bit. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy just not having to do anything. Maybe thinking right now, Pastor, I mean, I'm a senior adult. Are you telling me there's still work to be done? Absolutely. There's still work to be done. You're not done yet. When I preach your funeral, you get to stop. (laughs) Amen? Dead serious. (laughs) But in this moment, Abraham at this age is still pursuing the glory of God, and the mission of God. Senior adults, let me ask you this question. What trees are you planting today that someone years from now will have the privilege of sitting under the shade of? What investment are you making in the next generation? What investment are you making in our kids who are here What investment are you making that you'll never see the ultimate return of? But one day you'll have the opportunity to look and go, look what God did. The privilege that Abraham had in this moment was being part of the very beginning of this, of buying this piece of land. It's just a little bit of dirt, Pastor. It's the promise of God fulfilled. It's the plan of God beginning to come to fruition. It is for us as we look at this passage a reminder that we're never done. That we continue to invest in the kingdom of God from this point forward until we draw our last breath and experience the presence of our Savior. Church, we have an investment to make. And it will yield returns that we will likely never see but it's worth it would you bow your heads with me this morning you may have come in today and as we talked at the beginning you've never taken the step of trusting jesus christ as your savior as we think about sarah's life and her relationship with the lord You don't yet have that. And I wanna encourage you today that that can change. You can receive the gift of salvation made available through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And I wanna encourage you, if you have questions about that, to grab my hand or one of the other pastor's hands this morning and say, I need to know Jesus as my savior. Maybe you're here today, and for you, you are walking through a season of fear or doubt, depression, discouragement, anxiety, sorrow. And your feelings ultimately are ruling in this moment, and you've lost sight of glorifying God and pursuing His mission. This is an opportunity for you To realize that the way you feel right now is fertile ground for God to work in and through you for His glory. Would you allow that to happen today? What investment, church family, is God calling you to make financially, with your time, with your talents, senior adults? Will you commit today that until you draw your last breath, you will be investing in the next generation and in the plan of God moving forward. Father, we ask that you work in our hearts and our lives this morning, that you remind us that you are never done with us. God, you are constantly at work in us and through us to bring about your plan and your purpose God, we get to play a small part of that. Lord, thank you that you choose to use us. We lay our lives down for you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Our altar is open. Pastors are down front. You respond as the Lord leads.